we connecting to the joy and connecting in to the spontaneity of, of our bodies and, and the new experiences and all of that. And I guess that's where my intention is to search for the joy a little bit more and connect in and give myself permission to explore and experiment with new aspects that are not connected to work. Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Morning, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I've got a personal rant just thinking about the difference between self-care and laziness. I really sometimes use this process to figure some stuff out for myself. So when I'm kind of stuck in it, uh, I like to just record and uh, I end up, because I've got an audience, it just kind of helps me um, working through my own sort of muddle, my own middle ground in a way. And funnily enough, this will make sense after you listen to the podcast, but through my sort of judgy, uh, judging myself kind of trauma work that I've been doing, I've been grappling with this idea of sometimes when we stop and do the self-care thing or we give it the umbrella of self-care, I personally sometimes feel worse. I feel, a bit, I feel a bit lazy, I feel a bit like a slob, I feel like I could have done something different. And I think that's because I wait so long till I'm almost at burnout stage and then I'm not able to do kind of active, healthy things for myself to, to uh, nourish and invest in myself. But instead, I just crash and I stare at the TV and I'm like, oh, I can't do anything, right? So welcome to the, the show. I hope you'll enjoy the rant around um, self-care versus laziness which I know sounds a bit provocative, but that's where I was, being a bit self-judgy and trying to figure it out. But interestingly, having gotten that out yesterday and spiraled a little bit uh, through all the thinking about it, this morning, uh, well, actually, at the end of the day, I asked myself this question. I said, all right, when I'm feeling a bit stuck at work, which is my happy place, what are the things that I do to maximize my potential, to get back on track and to keep moving forward? And there's very simple things that I do. When I'm feeling that way, that night, I'll put YouTube on and I'll just search up the people that I admire, the, the Gary V's, the Tom Bilyeu's impact theory. I'll watch Oprah, I'll watch anybody who talks about morning routines, health habits, um, entrepreneurial skills, all of that. I'll just watch that stuff and it'll boost me. I'll know that it's possible, that it's really just my mindset more than anything else. And I'll end up kind of getting back onto what are my intentions, how do I maximize my to-do list, how do I narrow it down, how do I stay focused. And so it's about filling up my brain and my body, my heart, my mind uh, with what's possible. And so I thought, all right, I'm feeling a little bit unhealthy, like my body, like I just can't crack the sugar addiction, like I just can't crack the consistency around a health routine. And I've noticed that I've started making excuses, kind of going, oh, because of this, because of that, you know, I'm, I'm unable to focus on this or I can't have a consistent routine. Therefore, it, you know, I keep messing up. And, but essentially, my routine is what I make it. So this morning, I asked myself questions like, who do I want to be at 40, which is um, about seven months away, uh, and uh, just kind of putting myself into the frame of possibility rather than uh, defeat and excuses. It's very insidious and subtle when we start 
repeating a certain narrative and then we go to our friends and we repeat that narrative and it becomes a reinforcing, we reinforce our belief system by going, yeah, it's really hard because I got my kids one week and I don't have them another week. And I'm doing this entrepreneurial thing, which means some weeks I can do early, some weeks I've got to work early, all these things. Actually, if I flip that, I can flip it and be like, I'm working for myself, therefore I'm the master of my schedule and can decide what I say yes to and what I say no to. So this morning I went for a run, yay me. I did a bit of yoga. I just visualized, you know, what I feel is going to be going on for me. I, I visualized the possibility over the next year, three years, five years. And where meditation just, kind of just but the, the sitting and the breathing, I find quite um, challenging. I love creating space for a bit of daydreaming, whether that's through journaling or shutting my eyes and literally picturing and feeling that end, not end result, but that next result. And so I did a bit of that, went for a run. And then I, uh, as I did my yoga, I just watched uh, a, a short 13 minute clip on YouTube by Dr. Joe Dispenza. If you don't know his stuff, find it quickly because he talks about you know, quantum mechanics. And really, this is the quote that I jotted down, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So we have a lot more that's in our control than we actually think. I know the big picture, that's a whole podcast in itself, what's in our control and what's out of our control. But focusing in on our attitude and our routines and what is possible as far as our health is in our control, no matter what situation we're in, going for that lunchtime walk, using your morning, and it can be a 15-minute movement thing just to get you out of maybe the more negative routines. So the best way to predict your future is to create it. This is sort of my end result after the rant that you're about to hear. So enjoy the show. Uh, enjoy my process that actually kicked my own ass uh, and has gotten me into more of the healthy nurturing myself rather than that feeling of kind of slobbiness and laziness. So let me know what you think. Welcome to the rant. enjoying the first quarter of 2020. I'm on a drive, so obviously I thought, let me let me give. Uh, and I was thinking, all right, what do I have to talk about what's going on for me? And I guess the question that I was left with last night was trying to define the difference between self-care and, and self-compassion, those sorts of things, and laziness. Now, that might sound a little bit controversial to some of you, because, of course, we all agree that self-care is a wonderful thing. But I had, and I know that this is all tied up in my own experience of having a, a trauma therapy, somatic experiencing therapy, and it feels like every time I have it, which has only been a few times so far, I mean, it, it sort of opens up this gateway for a few days. Um, my resilience feels pretty low. I feel super sensitive to sounds and multitasking becomes really difficult. I know there's science about how we shouldn't do that anyway, but usually I, I think I've, I can get away with it pretty good. But for example, I was working on my computer and there was music playing and there was another noise and it felt like I could literally feel my, my stress uh, was in my heart, was in my throat, my, my cortisol going up really quickly. Um, and so I kind of know that, that some of these questions are coming off, up off the back of you know, the, the, the trauma therapy that then puts me in a dip. But we're also in the beginning of 2020. I've been 
you know, raring to go and pretty excited about getting back on top of uh, work things. And part of that is because I love, love, love my work. And another part, because it's hilarious how my somatic experiencing therapist asked me at the end of my very first session, are you a workaholic? And I had to totally own up because he'd seen, um, he'd seen me in full vulnerability for, for an hour. And, and so part of that is because I love my job, but part of it is because work has become the perfect reason, the perfect place to channel the adrenaline that's in my body. And when I went for, for my session this week, uh, at the end of it, I said, why am I so exhausted? I said, why is this so exhausting? And essentially, it felt like it was very simple not to take any credit away from his immense um, skills and qualifications. But the process was, was very simple in the sense of he just kept bringing me back to my body. And if my emotions became overwhelmed and I threatened to dissociate, I say threaten like it's a menacing thing. It feels menacing on the inside. On the outside, it doesn't quite look as menacing. But basically, it means checking out from your uh, the, the, the feeling place because it can be overwhelming. Because it isn't about the feelings in the moment. It's about all the feelings for all time that haven't been dealt with, that are stored up in your body in some way. And so I said, why is it so exhausting? I've been here for an hour just, just sitting in this chair and, and uh, concentrating on coming back to my body. And bless him, he said, well, you are exhausted. And I sort of broke down in tears, realizing how much I've been pushing my body to a point of exhaustion. And that's not just the work thing. The work thing has been a channel a safe place to push the adrenaline that would have been there anyway and in the past has been used in addiction cycles and very negative cycles. So it felt like a real win, if I'm honest, because I'm like, well, at least, you know, work has um, a, a sense of achievement. I do work that has impact, that supports people's lives. It's fulfilling. So it's almost been the perfect cover to uh, allow my body to stay, in a way, in the same survival state and just keep moving in that direction, but not necessarily releasing and healing me of the trauma in a way that would allow me to stay mentally and physically healthy kind of long, long term as stress builds up uh, through life and all the rest of it. And so I said I was exhausted, and he said, well, you know, if, if, if we just use the, the, the animal metaphor, it's not a metaphor, we just look at the animal kingdom, really, and look at ourselves as just once removed from that, we're essentially primal primates, right? Essentially, when you go into fight or flight, even as a human, you put every single physical resource into survival. So I've even heard a study that your digestion stops for that moment of fight or flight, you know, because that's not necessary to your survival in that moment. You can play catch up on that later. Um, and that, and, and um, that great documentary on Netflix called Heal highlights this, where it says, I, I believe that's where I got that from, where the, the, your digestion stops during fight or flight, and if it's consistently, if you're consistently in fight or flight, then your immune system, all the sort of inner workings of your body that don't feel essential in a, in a survival situation, but definitely are in long-term situations, can slowly start shutting down, uh, you know, and um, leading to disease and all sorts of um, challenges. And it's funny because I describe myself as a high-energy driven individual, but when he said, of course you're exhausted. Your body's exhausted. This is really intense work that you're doing to simply sit with a whole store of 
feelings and emotions. Uh, and, and I felt quite emotional uh, because I, I felt that it was true in that moment as he said it, that I, I just felt completely exhausted and drained. So here I am um, a few days later, and the day after, I do feel total compassion for myself because I know that I've sat and done something radically different, and I'm teaching my, my body, my nervous system, essentially, to learn something, a different way of being. And so, of course, I may be a little bit emotional, a little bit sensitive. My senses are heightened. And, and these things that I've learned to recognize are the after effects of a session like that. Um, and equally, my, my tasks, my homework in between is to do this breathing that's just very grounded. I've got to think about my feet connected to the floor, very, really much focus on the, the tingling, the sensation of my feet, my legs, basically the bottom half of my body in order to keep me grounded while trying to breathe and notice the constriction is what it is in my throat, in my chest, to almost protect myself, to stop myself feeling. And it was, it's, it's a, the most hilarious thing in quite a boring, you know, um, therapist's office with, a, you know, a, 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 a white older man, because they often are, that's so stereotypical, but it's true, <laughs> in essentially the most boring safe place in London to sit and just be looked after and to be feeling, my body is feeling intense fear. So I'm feeling intense fear while sitting in the safest place possible and I'm getting and I'm paying someone to put me there. Hilarious, right? But it just shows the, the, the disconnect between what our body is experiencing versus our surroundings. So our body has this learnt memory of what fear is and how it needs to tense up and react in order to keep me safe if if I'll notice it when essentially I am safe. And it's this kind of knock on effect and, and triggers of, of a lifetime of, of no, I don't even, I'm not even doing a poor me victim thing. I think so many of us have, have, have experienced some kind of trauma. And there, as, as um, there's certain people that say there's no hierarchy on trauma. Some of the people I've interviewed in the past who are trauma specialists, there's no hierarchy. It's not about the what. And what's fascinating is not for one minute does this guy ask me my story. He knows a bit of context because I've emailed him and given him some, some context. But he just says, what do I need to know in order to move into the session? You know, so I might say it's, you know, how heightened the triggers have been or not, but I don't go into story at all. And I mean, it's fascinating to observe. And if you've been listening to podcasts recently, you, you've noticed uh, my fascination with, with the body memory and the, the sciences behind releasing the body memory rather than the story, which can actually reinforce the, the more victim side of, of trauma. So back to my question, people, you may think you have the answer, but I'm actually here to work it out for myself as, as usual because I'm just confused and I've, I've got some ideas either way. So is self-compassion, and I know it sounds provocative, right? So is um, self-compassion and self-care, can it sometimes be laziness, right? Because sometimes we just got to do the stuff. And I know that I'm talking myself into this because I know that I need to strengthen my ability for looking at self-care and self-compassion in a way that will essentially support my healing and prevent burnout in the long run. And the reason I say this is because, so I, I did work yesterday, felt quite productive, but I also felt my senses were heightened. My head was hurting a little bit. I felt jumpy. 
Um, my daughter knocked on the window to come in, and I, I mean, I, I, I just jumped out of my seat. And so it's little things like that that say that I'm a little bit on edge. And so in trying to, I guess, listen to, to my body and all of that, I switched off at about four. I was exhausted. I was physically and emotionally exhausted. So I stopped working about four. I watched a movie, Radical, Radical, Radical. I watched a movie in the afternoon, which you can do if you're self-employed, right? So I watched a movie, which was relatively entertaining, and I sat on the sofa. I then, you know, got into a bit of a slobby slump and didn't necessarily invest in in, in kind of uh, preparing some really healthy food. I sort of picked and nibbled on what was in the house. I didn't feel very healthy in what I ate. And I sat and I watched a movie, but essentially I stopped and I tried to switch from adrenaline, fight, flight activity into um, a, a kind of slower place and to not feel guilty about that, to, to be accepting and non-judgmental of myself in wanting and needing to do some of that. That's essentially what I was trying to do. But by sort of eight o'clock, I felt restless. I felt a little bit judgy of myself. I thought, oh, I could have just done an hour of this and it would have capitalized on that. And I wanted to go, I was going to go to the gym, which in hindsight, perhaps I should have done. But equally, I was listening. I had gone the day before and my body was exhausted and my mind was exhausted. And I thought, okay, let me just stop. But um, I even, I went to bed early, but then my my mind was wired and I tried to meditate and I couldn't sleep because I, in my mind, I thought if I get an early night, I can reset and start early tomorrow, which often can work for me. And of course, translate all of this into your own lifestyles. But like I said, I guess I'm trying to work it out for myself a little bit. And by 11 o'clock, I was wide awake in my bed. And a friend of mine said that they were off work uh, today, which is where I'm driving to at the moment, and that we could uh, hang out and have a bit of time off together, which would, have, would be about connection, which is essentially how I prefer my, my time off is connecting with people and doing things in some way. Um, so that sort of spurred me last night with my, my brain now being wired to get a bit of work done uh, just late at night because I couldn't sleep and then to wake up pretty early this morning and get a whole shitload of work done. feel quite good about that. In order to now have the afternoon, hang out with my friend and do whatever I want to do. Oh, long-winded. I apologize, people, for bringing you in on the intricacies of my life. But I was left with that question was, I actually felt a little bit lazy by the end of it, right? And I was I using an excuse to not go to the gym and to not maybe do the things that would have been better nurturing for myself in the long run? This whole like listening to our body and what it needs and not doing an exact science of routines just feels really difficult unless you're super intuitive and um, then like to follow that, that intuition on your body. I think it's the, right, it's the right way in a sense. There's also so much science around habits and a lot of the entrepreneurial kind of uh, movers and shakers that, that I admire are, they, they swear by the science of, of habits and that regardless of how you're feeling, you need to show up, do the gym, do the things that uh, allow you to be the best human you can be. But, but in all of those, they also talk about um, active recovery, they talk about time off, they talk about connecting with loved ones and having intentions about being present as far as the time that you spend on different activities. And in, in the past, in order to consistently be healthy and all the rest of it, I have definitely felt better having a consistent routine. 
routine. So I go to the gym at this time, or I do a walk uh, and a lunch break at this time. Uh, certain days of the week I do this, certain other days I do that. And, and it is, there is this great feeling of, of certainty and of being able to build on your health and all of that. But also, where the fuck's the joy? Is the joy there is, is my question. You know, are we, are we connecting to the joy and connecting in to the spontaneity of, of our bodies and, and new experiences and all of that? And I guess that's where my intention is, is to search for the, the joy a little bit more and, and connect in and give myself permission to explore and experiment with new aspects that are not connected to work. Hilariously, my therapist uh, asked, he, he's not laughing, by the way, but I find this all hilarious because it's an insight into me. It's holding a mirror up to me. He said, you do anything creative outside of work? Uh, and I guess he meant, and I, I intend to follow up on this, finding a flow, a flow state that is about joy and creativity can just be a great release from the, the, you know, my body's way of, of being in survival mode. It can be. And I was, um, it's funny how blank my mind goes when I'm, when I'm in that session because it's all connected to my body and I literally leave going, I don't have a thought in my head. It's, 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 it's amazing. If you any overthinkers out there, it's incredible to have this blank space of no thought. It's very disconcerting. And she asked me if I did anything creative and I was thinking, surely I fucking do. Surely I do something creative. What do I do? What do I do? I was trying to be good. And he kept saying, you know, you don't have to do anything here like this is just about noticing and, and that sort of thing apparently i have a bit of a self-judgment voice that's been a bit secret from me i thought it was i thought it was my helpful ambition but it can be a bit of a, a, a kind of whip as well and i couldn't think of anything and i ended up defending myself in in defending myself to him not that he was asking for a defense but i did use a creative part of my brain in the workplace because i do but he was very much getting to something else. Like you use a different creativity when you're dancing, for example, than when you're fixing a problem. So, of course, there's a creative element to putting lots of components together in order to fix a problem and to advise and consult businesses on how to fix problems. But equally, there's a totally different part of our brain that is activated when we do things like dancing or art or other types of creative things that, that people do. So I'm actually really curious if you, um, in comments, if you see this on LinkedIn or, or Instagram posts, um, what are the creative things that you do outside of work? Because I keep, the light keeps being, sh like, I, I keep noticing that my, my world is mostly 85% consumed with work. And I love my work, and it's the entrepreneurial way, and you've got to hustle, and I love all of that. And it's a little bit shocking because there is, more to, more to life, and it's almost like I've tunnel visioned some of that out. Is there something about exploring joy and all of that? So I think to, to answer my own question around laziness versus self-compassion and self-care, first of all, only if we're ra radically honest with ourselves can we know any of that, right? Only if we're radically honest can we know. If we are essentially using self-care as an umbrella term, as an excuse, to get away from the tough stuff, the tough work, whether it's self-development, whether it's, whether it's work, whether it's relationships, whether it's connection, you know, the things that take effort but have a great return on investment when we actually show up and, and do them. So only you can know. So I can only assess myself in that sense, right? And it certainly wasn't laziness last night. It was me 
figuring out how to do balance. And when you try to figure out anything, you've got to experiment with it, right? And I'm like, hmm, what do people do in their downtime? What are these creative pursuits that people seem to do that allows them to, to stay healthy? Um, and <laughs> it's so crazy that that feels like such a foreign concept to me at the moment. And I do go dancing, and I do certain things that are creative, but I don't, like, attend a class or do pottery or art or anything like that. So I'm, I'm trying to kind of think left field um, about it. So the compassion for myself is that while I'm going through this therapy and essentially being radically brave in facing up and feeling so much bravery in just feeling, feeling the feelings, trusting the people, showing up and trying this, the, the, the breathing and all the things that essentially, if, if not managed effectively, can lead me to self-harming behavior, disassociation, pretty scary stuff that, that kind of mimics my, my past a little bit stuff that I, places that I really don't want to go back to, but that I want to move beyond. I don't want them to be part of my story anymore, but both in my body or my mind, other than that they've helped me build character and all the, you know, the great things that the adversity can, can help us build. So my self-compassion, my note to self is that it's okay to experiment with what self-care and self-compassion mean to me, and sometimes it is watching a movie at 4 o'clock and just um, switching off from work or the, the mode that I'm in in order to be able to reassess and think about a different mode. And sometimes we need to recognize that just slobbing out and if our diet starts being affected and, you know, if I'm on movie three and now I've opened the crisp and thought chocolate would be an excellent idea, yes, I've stopped work, so I'm showing myself compassion and, and not feeling guilty for not working, but at the same time, I'm not using that self-care time to actively resource myself. The stopping might help, but actually the, the, the food and the, you know, maybe the, the negative media or it, it's going to be impacting my brain in a different way, and I'm going to have to counter that the following day uh, in, in different ways. So we're, as my therapist also says to me, we're, you're not, he's like, there's no way to do this perfectly because <laughs> I'm so, like, trying to hack everything, right? And I'm like, so what is the exact formula for how I feel? <laughs> and he's going, well, well, everyone's different, and you just have to sit with it, and whatever comes, comes, and you have to notice. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but can we do that in, like, three sessions rather than six? Can I? And he's like, I can't. He's like, I don't know how much feeling there is, like, or how many years that it's been building up. Like, only your body knows what it's been storing, how much it's been storing, and all the rest of it. So for me, the challenge is just being and even taking enough time to take that breath, which I've barely done in this conversation, <laughs> to listen to my body and to notice what is it that it, it needs. And that I am privileged to be able to mix it up, to, to work late uh, when I'm feeling in that energetic state, but equally to, to stop, to, to meet that friend. Because for me, connection, it's just, I don't know, even when you're with a friend watching a movie, it feels like more of a, a resourcing yourself than, than just sitting there on your own with your curtains drawn in the middle of the, the day, you know. That feels like a bit like depression, <laughs> you know. Um, so self-care is being able to stop but we also need to be radically honest with ourselves and know that just stopping for long lengths of time and not actually resourcing ourselves with all the wonderful information
information out there about how we can resource ourselves, whether it's creativity, which I should, I would like to explore a little bit further, just that ability to be in places where we can let go, where we can fully be ourselves, and be with the people that we can fully be ourselves with. Nothing wrong with a hilarious movie, but equally that meditation, that the going for a walk can just create a different state and allow us some movement. And all the things, the five ways to well-being, all the information about how we actively resource ourselves, which means we need to be conscious. Self-compassion and self-care needs to be conscious rather than checking out and numbing our feelings. So this is the fine, this is the line, this is the line, this is the line. Because it's actually numbing my feelings that helps get me into this fucking state in the first place, right? So you've got to ask yourself the question, am I numbing my feelings and disguising it as self-care, but really I'm just checking out of life because it's hard, right? I feel like that's very different than a conscious witness on what our bodies need and active recovery or resourcing ourselves through sleep, through uh, meditation, music, winding down, if that's consciously what we recognize that our body and our mind need, I think the trouble comes when we start going, yeah, I'm just doing self-care, 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 but actually we're, we're reacting to signs of burnout uh, and we're overwhelmed, and so we're actually just in a place of freezing and numbing out because we're so overwhelmed that we can't make any fucking decisions, total decision fatigue, and total physical and mental overload. And, of course, that's sometimes going to happen if we're not putting the preventative stuff in place to notice these things and, and, and put them in place as habits before we get to any kind of crisis point. So those are my thoughts, people. Those are my thoughts, people. And I, I've helped myself because I think I was definitely feeling the feels last night and I've for, I don't think I numbed out. I don't think I could because everything's so activated after I have a session. I did consciously stop work. I gave myself permission. I told somebody that I was going to. And then I also felt like I, I was going to balance it out by, um, by taking a bit of time off this, this afternoon when, when I did then make the choice to get some work done. So challenge yourself, people. Challenge yourself. Do you ever disguise the self-care umbrella as, but instead you're actually numbing out and avoiding the feeling that may be affecting you in some way. Just challenge yourself. And I'm not saying there's any right or wrong. I am on this journey of self-discovery and figuring out how not only to hustle and, and to have active recovery, but to truly, 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 God, it's hard, connect in to my nervous system my emotional state, which has information not only about my present, but about my past and what my body needs. And crucially, I really, really believe that it can prevent illness. I've been watching a lot of uh, uh, Dr. Gabor Mate on on YouTube, and he's talking about addiction. And I'm going to misquote him, but he says that he's doing a keynote, and he said something like, when we repress our emotions, hold them in, bitterness, resentment, you know, shutting down, not telling people the real stuff, living double lives. He's like, he, he basically said that leads to cancer, disease, and all sorts of uh, physical illnesses. Now, that shit's scary because not only do you rob yourself of living your life, 
right? Because you're you're living it to someone else's standards. You're not saying what you believe. You're living in fear. You think if I don't play by the rules, I'm going to be ostracized. All those sorts of things. Not only is that happening, but you are a prime candidate for also getting physical illnesses down the line that are built up through stress and repression, right? And I'm going on a little side rant, but um, that's kind of what's waking me up, is that my body is giving me warning signs. It's going, if you don't release this trauma and do the work that will allow you to be fully, radically open to yourself and to other people, not just in the in the present or the story that you... I, I mean, I've always I've thought I've been developing into quite a, a sort of level of openness about my life, but, there, you know, once you get to that point, there's another point, right? And so I really believe that I'm, by doing the work, I'm preventing myself from long-term physical illness if, there, if, if, if that can be repaired and if not too much uh, damage has been done. But it's also just like a radical lesson that being open and connecting and letting go and not repressing the stuff isn't about perpetrators. It's not about anyone else. It's about us. It's about the one life that we have to live that can create impact and happiness, joy, all those sorts of things. But it is only one life. We get to choose how we live it. And it's, I mean, I see it all the time. And it makes me so, I was, uh, I was doing um, group coaching with a team at a company yesterday and they were adamant that they couldn't be themselves at work and they could be within their very very small team they couldn't be themselves at work and I'm thinking you and, and at one point one person thought that that was out of their hands and there was no they didn't have a choice in the matter and when we uh, uh, turn that around pretty quickly because we always have choice to be ourselves but we sometimes choose not to be because we're afraid of the impact we're afraid possibly of, of rejection or uh, not belonging and, of course, in the workplace of losing our livelihood. But we do get to be ourselves. It's just up to us if we can um, handle the outcome that that may bring. But I've often found that the fear of what will happen when we are our full selves uh, is never what actually happens. Rarely ever, rarely, rarely ever is what actually happens. Because what actually happens is uh, the, the people that we're open to feel that intense relief that, my God, somebody's showing me how to do it, uh, and they suddenly feel safe and able to be open themselves, so it has this beautiful ripple effect of deeper connection. To get radically honest uh, in 2020, people, about how you approach self-compassion and self-care, and what are your tendencies to laziness and numbing out? Only you can decide. Me, I'm going to continue listening to my body and definitely a few days post uh, this kind of therapy I will slow down and just listen to what my body needs needs due to you know and, and, and affirm uh, the, the bravery and um, the work that I've had to do uh, in that session that is now bringing out some of the exhaustion of survival that I have as a habit in my life in so many ways. I just find it hilarious that your adrenaline can tell you that you have so much energy and you can channel it in so many ways as this perfect disguise for never having to show vulnerability or slow down in a way that could, you know, bring up a perceived threat. Our body's pretty clever like that. So, and overriding it is pretty hard and takes a bit of dedication. So 
We should be lost. And of course, of course, look after yourself. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through PetraBelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.